Good morning. Welcome back to Ball with Y'all. It is Thursday and I am so happy to join y'all today for yet another episode. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, if you support our mission here at Ball with Y'all, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review if your preferred platform allows so that we can continue to develop as a program. You can also send us your thoughts, your hot takes, your questions using the email in the description. And also you can check us out on Instagram at ball with y'all podcast as you well know there's a lot that happens beyond mondays and thursdays so that is the best way to stay in touch with us during the week on all things college sports we are kicking off week seven here in college football which means we're officially halfway through the football season since we are halfway i would like to first begin the program by taking stock of the heisman trophy leaders right now so if you're not familiar i imagine many of you are familiar but i like to lay the foundation just in case the heisman trophy probably the most prestigious award in all of college sports, it goes to the most valuable or it's intended to go to the most valuable player on usually one of the better teams in the country. So oftentimes you'll see an Alabama player win it or a Clemson player or an Ohio State player. And to that point, we've usually seen a quarterback win the award. I believe the last time a quarterback did not win the award was 2015 when Derrick Henry for the Alabama Crimson Tide took home the trophy. Looking at just the odds alone from Vegas, the quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide, Bryce Young, he is still a slight favorite over Ole Miss's quarterback, Matt Corral. Just looking at Bryce's numbers so far, he's done pretty well. He's got more than 1,700 yards on the year. He's tied for third most in the country with 20 passing touchdowns. He does have three interceptions, though. His quarterback rating is just above 85, sitting him seventh in the country. On the other hand, Matt Corral, he's done very well for the Ole Miss Rebels. He has zero interceptions on the year, which is pretty incredible given where he was at just a year ago. I believe when they played Arkansas last year, he had, what, five interceptions, six interceptions in that game? Of course, we just saw him go out there last week and ball out against that Arkansas defense. He's doing incredible things, and he's doing it incredibly efficiently. On the year, he does have just under 1,500 yards passing as well as 12 touchdowns to go along with that. His quarterback rating is 89.9, which puts him second in the nation. Now, looking beyond those two, usually most people think of those two. They are the odds-on favorites right now. There are a number of other potential candidates out there looking at from third to eighth when it comes to the current odds. We've got quarterback C.J. Stroud for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Kenneth Walker III from Mississippi State. He's the running back for them. We'll come back to him in a second. B. John Robinson. He is Texas's running back. We will also come back to him in a moment. Desmond Ritter. He is Cincinnati's quarterback. We'll talk about him shortly when we talk about their game this week. Travion Henderson, he is Ohio State's running back, and then also Spencer Rattler. Even after getting benched against the Texas Longhorns a week ago, somehow he has the eighth best odds to win the Heisman. I don't necessarily think that that will transpire, but still, something to note nonetheless. So if it's not Bryce Young, and if it's not Matt Corral, who wins the Heisman? I don't think any of the quarterbacks I mentioned just now, with C.J. Stroud or Desmond Ritter or Spencer Rattler, I don't think any of them have enough to get to that point where they could actually make a run for the Heisman. So my contention here is that for the first time since 2015, if it's not Bryce Young, if it's not Matt Corral, we will see a running back win the Heisman Trophy. If, like I said, there are two candidates that have very strong campaigns so far. I mentioned Kenneth Walker III. I believe I said he was a Mississippi State running back. He is actually Michigan State's running back. Michigan State is doing rather well this year. They are undefeated. They have impressed numerous people around the country. Walker on the year, he's got 129 attempts, 
more than 900 yards, rushing nine touchdowns. He is averaging 7.1 yards per carry. He is driving that offense right now for the Michigan State Spartans. Beyond that, there's also Bijan Robinson. We've talked about him a good amount on this show. He is one of the key characters for Steve Sarkeesian's offense down in Austin. On the year so far, Robinson has 125 attempts, almost 800 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, and he sits at 6.3 yards per carry. So I don't really know if Bijan Robinson can get there. I don't really know what Walker's season will look like. They have a number of teams that will challenge them throughout the season. But if it's not Bryce Young, and if it's not Matt Corral, if they implode, if they don't impress us at any point in time, we just might see a Michigan State player win the Heisman this year. We just might see a Texas Longhorn win the Heisman this year. We've seen a number of surprising upsets and surprising moments on the season so far. I don't think it would be such a surprise to see a running back win the Heisman this year. Of course, this all remains to be seen. There's a number of things that will shake out in both the month of October and the month of November, but still... Something interesting to watch as we move forward into week seven. Speaking of week seven, on the game front, we bounced back strong last week. We were 0-8 two weeks ago against the spread, and we went 6-2 against the spread this past week, 7-1 straight up. On the year, we are 18-29 against the spread and 23-17 straight up. I'm liking our odds, honestly, I gotta say, to make more progress this week as well. Let's take a look at this week's eight most prominent games on the schedule. First up, we've got the University of Central Florida Golden Knights visiting the number three Cincinnati Bearcats. Cincinnati is a 20-point favorite. The over-under sitting at 56 points on the game. The series all-time, it is tied at 3-3. Cincinnati, though, they have won the last two. What's interesting to note about those last two wins, though, they both came by three points. So this has been a close series as of late. The Bearcats, they are coming off of a large, a substantial 52-3 thrashing against Temple last week. And I believe that this is Cincinnati's most difficult game remaining. We've talked about it before, how Cincinnati needs to impress, but they don't. They can't really do much more on that front. They are, they've done as much as they can. They've beaten Notre Dame. This is their peak right now. Everything hereafter, they just need to hold on. They need to win the games that they're expected to win. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, I mentioned him earlier when it comes to the Heisman rankings right now he's been impressive he has just over 1300 yards in the year 12 touchdowns he does have two interceptions and that offense has been good for the Bearcats as a result but their defense has absolutely been their strength to this point they have the second best scoring defense in the country which of course is just behind Georgia they're only allowing 12.2 points per game UCF they have not been the same this year without Dylan Gabriel of course he was their quarterback as soon as he got hurt against Louisville a couple weeks ago Their team has not looked the same. Gus Malzahn's offense has not looked the same. Right now, they have true freshman Mikey Keene out there. He is filling in at quarterback. On the year, he's got just over 600 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. The games that he's played, though, they've lost to Navy on the road, and they've had a narrow home win against Eastern Carolina. The numbers themselves, though, I don't believe that they lie here. Central Florida, they are 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games, and Cincinnati is 5-1 against the spread in their last six. I think that Cincinnati, they will go out there on the defensive side. They will overwhelm Mikey Keene. I believe that they will force him into some costly mistakes, and that will win them the game. I say Cincinnati wins, they cover, and the under hits will go 38-14 Bearcats. 
Moving on over to Austin, Texas, where we see B. John Robinson and the Longhorns, the number 25 Texas Longhorns, hosting the number 12 Oklahoma State Cowboys. The series, it has been dominated by Texas to this point. They lead the series 26-9, and they have won the last two. Texas, they, they looked pretty good last week. They almost had a massive upset, but they blew it. They only dropped four spots, though, after that in the AP poll, and now they get another tough Oklahoma opponent on their schedule here. Texas's offense, it looked remarkable against Oklahoma a week ago, but that defense reminded us of what we've always seen from the Big 12, non-existent for the Longhorns. As you might imagine, though, that offense has been their saving grace. They have the fifth best scoring offense in the country, scoring almost 45 points per game. And that defense, the scoring defense, like I said, has been a problem area. They currently have a bottom 40 scoring defense offering up nearly 30 points per game. Luckily for them, Oklahoma State doesn't exactly put up a ton of points. On the year, they only average about 25 points per game, which puts them 88th in the country when it comes to scoring offense. Although Oklahoma State is coming off back-to-back wins against ranked teams in the form of Kansas State and Baylor, their schedule has been significantly easier than Texas's to this point. Their defense, though, is pretty strong, particularly the rush defense. They have the 12th best rush defense in the nation. I just talked about how strong Bijan Robinson has been this year. I think he will pose a challenge for that Oklahoma State defense. I think that'll be where the game is won. I talked about it last week with Bijan Robinson facing off against that number seven Oklahoma rush defense, and we all saw how that turned out. The same thing just might happen here. I say Oklahoma State will pull the upset despite being the higher ranked team here. I say Oklahoma State wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 35-31 Cowboys. Moving over to Missouri, where we've got the number 21 Texas Santa Maggie's coming into town. They are a nine-point favorite visiting the Missouri Tigers. The over-under is sitting at 61 points. Historically speaking, the series has been pretty even. Uh, Texas A&M, they are leading the series 8-7 to seven so far. Missouri, they have won the last two, but they haven't played since 2014. On the year, Missouri is 3-3, three and three, and a lot of people might think that's good. But those three wins have come against North Texas, South Missouri State, and Central Michigan. The Tigers literally have the second-to-last defense in the nation, allowing almost 500 yards per game. 129th. There are 130 programs in Division I college football. They have the 129th-ranked defense when it comes to yards allowed. This is a terrible Tigers defense right now. The offense, though, it keeps them in games. They have the 23rd total offense, averaging about 38 points per game when it comes to scoring. If I'm a Tigers fan, last week's 48-35 win against North Texas was not exactly inspiring, but it was much needed after that atrocious game just two weeks ago against the Tennessee Volunteers. On the AM side of things, they are coming off of a season-saving win, in my opinion. They earned every single penny of that fine that they got from the SEC, $100,000 after storming the field when they beat then number one Alabama. For the first time, quarterback Zach Calzada looked incredibly comfortable against that Crimson Tide defense. Speaking of defense, the Aggie defense, it has slipped a little, so I would say that Missouri should be able to put up some points against this Texas A&M team. I've said it before, though, that you play down to your competition. Last week, they played up to their competition, beating the number one team in the country. I believe that A&M just might have a hangover here, but not enough to lose the game. I don't see Missouri winning this game, but I do see them keeping it close. For whatever reason, their defense is not good, but I see them keeping it close. AM wins, Missouri covers, and the overhits will go 38 34 Aggies. 
Speaking of the Alabama Crimson Tide, they are a 17.5 point favorite on the road visiting the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Of course, Alabama is the number five team in the country. That just sounds weird to say. The over-under is sitting at 59 points of this game. Historically speaking, Alabama has absolutely owned this series. They lead the series 83-18-3, and and they have not lost since 2007. For reference, I was nine years old the last time they lost to Mississippi State. Mississippi State, they're well-rested. They're coming off of the bye right now, and they're only just two weeks removed after that upset win against Texas A&M. Mike Leach's air raid offense has done incredible things this year, and they are now fifth in the nation when it comes to passing yards per game, sitting at just over 370 yards per game. Quarterback Will Rogers has been the key to that happening. He has a 75% completion rate on the year, more than 1,850 yards passing and four touchdowns. The offense has been great. The defense has not been that bad either. They rank 29th in the nation when it comes to yards per game allowed, around 318 yards there. And they bottled up quarterback Zach Calzada. We just talked about him two weeks ago. On the Alabama side, they got embarrassed last week. I talked about it on Monday pretty extensively. I believe I talked about it for about 10 minutes. So hopefully you got to hear some of that. If not, go back and listen to it. It was not a good time on Saturday night especially defensively. They got torn to shreds by a team that nobody expected them to do that well against that Alabama defense. And shocking, I know, but the Alabama fans out there, they are pointing fingers at the defensive coordinator, Pete Golding, saying that it is his fault and they want him fired. But now, do you remember what's happened the last two times that has been said about Pete Golding? He responded. In the second half of the Georgia game last year, he shut out that Bulldog offense. In the first half against Ole Miss this year, He shut out that Ole Miss offense. For reference, of course, that was a game after last year, after they played Ole Miss. This year, that was a couple games after they gave up so many points, so many yards against that Florida offense. When he's challenged, he responds. And in fact, I think Nick Saban does a better job when his team loses than when they win. You see how upset he gets when they win big, but when he loses, the team knows they need to work on things. We've heard Will Anderson, we've heard Brian Robinson Jr., a number of players go out there and say that they obviously need to fix things from a leadership standpoint. I think this is their opportunity to do that and show that they can improve. Yes, they have Mississippi State here. Yes, they have Tennessee next. Yes, they have LSU after that. They have some time to fix the things they need to fix. But this is the first step to recovery for the Crimson Tide. I believe that the Alabama offense will be able to do exactly what they want here, but maybe not on the ground. Mississippi State, they have the ninth best rush defense in the country, only allowing 89 yards per game. It could be a big game for Bryce Young as a result, and I think it could help his Heisman candidacy that we talked about a little bit earlier. I said it earlier in the show, and I will maintain the sentiment here. I firmly believe in numbers. The last eight times that Alabama has come off of an in-season loss in the last 10 years, they've gone seven and one. I say that we make that eight and one here. Alabama wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 44-19, Crimson Tide. Moving over to Knoxville, we get the Manning Bowl, although I don't believe the Mannings are actually calling this game. There was a big push on Twitter to have Eli Manning and Peyton Manning be the announcers for this game. I don't think we're going to get that, but we still should have a fun game Nonetheless, the number 13 Ole Miss Rebels, they are a three-point favorite visiting the Tennessee Volunteers, the over-under sitting at 79.5 points. Tennessee, they have had a firm grip on the series to this point in time. They lead the series 44-19-1. Ole Miss did technically win the last meeting in 2014, but that was, of course, vacated after the Hugh Freeze recruiting violation. So, technically speaking, I believe Tennessee won the last one. That was around 2010-2011 or so. 
Both offenses, they have been incredibly impressive to this point in time. Ole Miss has the second highest performing offense in the country. They have more than 560 yards per game, passing and rushing. Matt Corral has been the engine for the Ole Miss offense to this point in time, and I talked about earlier how impressive and how efficient he has been. He has the second best quarterback rating in the country, like we talked about, and as I said also, he has not thrown an interception this year. What's perhaps even more scary about this Ole Miss team is that their rush attack is just as dangerous. But last week, we saw with Arkansas putting up so many points against that Ole Miss defense that they are vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball. Tennessee, they have started to kick it into gear as of late. They have scored more than 40 points in consecutive SEC games for the first time since 2016. We talked about earlier in the year how they've had lingering questions at quarterback but Hendon Hooker has come on, he has taken the reins, and it appears to be his offense moving forward. This could be a trap game for Ole Miss. I think they're on an emotional high from last week, and I don't think that Tennessee will win next week when they face off against the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I think that they will throw the whole kitchen sink at this Ole Miss Rebels team to try to pull off an upset. I don't think we'll see much defense here. It will absolutely be an offensive show, to say the least. And I think that Josh Heupel, Tennessee's head coach, finally gets a notable win on his resume for the Tennessee Volunteers. I say Tennessee wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 45-40, to 40 Volunteers. Moving on to the biggest games of the week. Supposedly, CBS wants me to think that this is the biggest game of the week. I don't think that's the case, but we'll start here, and we'll put it in this, <laughs> this bucket of biggest games of the week, but I would tend to say that this is probably the third or so biggest game of the week. We got the number 11 Kentucky Wildcats facing off against the number one Georgia Bulldogs, the reason I say it's not the biggest game in the country is because Georgia's a 22.5 point favorite in the over-under sitting at 44.5 points. Georgia, they hold a heavy, heavy, heavy advantage in the series, 60-12-2, and they've won the last 11. Georgia leads basically every category when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. They're only allowing 201 yards per game, 5.5 average points per game. The quarterback position, though, it tends to be a bit of a question mark. We've talked about it before. Will we see JT Daniels come back? Will it be Stetson Bennett the fourth? Does it even matter? And if not now, when will it matter? We've talked about it extensively how Georgia can run the ball. The defense can hold their own. Stetson Bennett doesn't have to do a lot. JT Daniels doesn't have to do a lot. But at some point, they will get tested. I don't think that'll happen here per se, but they will get tested at some point in time. And when will it start to matter who is behind center for the Georgia Bulldogs? On the Kentucky side of things, they were incredibly impressive last week, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Will Levis had the game of his life, both rushing and passing for the Kentucky Wildcats. That defense has been just as good as well. They are 18th nationally in yards per game at, I believe, 305 yards a game. So they've been great, but just not Georgia great. Since the offseason, though, one big lingering question mark for the Georgia team has been that defensive secondary. So I think Kentucky's best chance here could be to put the game in the hands of Will Levis and say, go win us the game, go throw the ball around the whole lot and try to pull off the upset. Kentucky, they do like to rush the ball. They have, uh, they're 23rd in the nation when it comes to rushing 214 yards per game. I do not see them doing much here on the ground and that will absolutely be a shock to their system. At some point, Georgia defense will have to let up. I don't think that Levis 
that Kentucky's offense can make that happen this week. I think Georgia forces Kentucky into some bad spots, some penalties, some turnovers. They put Kentucky behind the eight ball consistently throughout the game, and they take sole possession of first place in the East with a win here. I say Georgia wins. Kentucky, they will cover, and the under hits will go 31-13 Bulldogs. On to our last two games. We've got the Auburn Tigers going over to Fayetteville, visiting the number 17 Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas is a three and a half point favorite. The over-under sitting at 53 points. Auburn, they have won the last five games in the series dating back to 2016. Both teams are coming off of losses with very different types of losses, though. Arkansas, they have not won a game since September 25th, of course, when they beat Texas A&M. But its last two losses, they haven't really been surprising, I would say. We kind of saw them losing to Georgia. I don't necessarily know that we saw them getting thrashed by Georgia, but we saw them losing. And then after shooting themselves in the foot countless times against the Georgia Bulldogs, they came one play away from beating Ole Miss just a week ago. And they showed incredible grit to fight to the end. Arkansas, they have a top 25 offense with uh, 462 yards per game, led by a strong rushing attack, a little under 250 yards per game on the ground. Auburn, they played better than expected the last two weeks, especially gaining a ton of respect given how bad they looked against Georgia State, I believe, three weeks ago. Bonix has saved his job. He particularly did it a couple weeks ago when they faced off against the LSU Tigers in Death Valley. And last week, he was Auburn's only hope in beating Georgia. Of course, they didn't come close, but he was their only hope in that moment. They didn't have enough to top the Bulldogs, but they had moments of brilliance in that game. Sporadic playmaking and the dedication to the run game could be the same recipe for success here against Arkansas. Something interesting to note, though. Last year, their win against Arkansas, it was provided by the officials. If you recall, Bo Nix went to spike the ball, and he spiked it backwards, which technically is a fumble. Arkansas recovered that quote-unquote fumble. Long story short, the officials missed it. Auburn goes out there, kicks the game-winning field goal, and then Arkansas fans are left the rest of the season wondering what would have happened if they had beaten the Auburn Tigers in that moment. I think Arkansas, they need this game more than Auburn does right now. I think some of their upcoming games are tougher than Auburn's games right now. I think they need this moment to recover from the fact that they haven't won since the third week or fourth week or so in September. I also think that they're pretty angry about what happened last year, and I don't think they've forgotten as to how that game rolled out with the officials gifting Auburn a win. I think Arkansas wins here, they cover, and the overhits will go 38-17 Razorbacks. And then on to what I personally think is the most notable SEC game of the week. We've got the number 20 Florida Gators. They are a 10-point favorite visiting LSU. The over-under sitting at 58.5 points. So far, it's been a pretty even series throughout history. We've got 33, 31, and 3 in favor of the Gators. LSU has won the last two, though. The Gators there coming off of a shutout win against Vanderbilt. A get-back game, if you will, after that shocking loss to Kentucky a couple weeks ago. Florida's defense has been its rock to this point. They have the ninth best scoring defense in the country, averaging 15.5 points allowed per game. The offense, it appears to be improving under Emory Jones under center, but the discipline is key for the Gators moving forward. It didn't really matter last week against Vanderbilt, but the nerves and undisciplined play cost them that Kentucky game two weeks ago. They can't afford to make those mistakes this week, especially in that Death Valley environment on Saturday. On the LSU side, we've talked about it before, they are spiraling right now, and this could not be coming at a worse possible time for the Tigers. Ed Orgeron, we've talked about it before, his seat is only getting hotter by the day, and a bad showing here just might be it for him. 
officially they've lost Kayshawn Butte, the leading receiver for the year. It was a leg injury. He's gone. It's still unclear as to if or when Derek Stingley Jr. He is their leading defensive back. If he will come back this season, when that will happen, it's still very unclear on that front. Injuries or not, it is not looking too good on either side of the ball for the LSU Tigers. They have the 74th best scoring defense and the 62nd best scoring offense. Honestly, I think the only thing that could save LSU here is playing in front of that home crowd. The problem is, though, it didn't really help them a whole lot against Bo Nix and the Auburn Tigers a couple weeks ago. I think LSU needs to catch a break to save their season, and I don't think that this is the break that they need. I say Florida wins, I say they cover, and the under hits will go 44-10 to 10 Gators. Oh, and uh, just a bold prediction here as we wrap up the show. I would say that as you're getting out of church Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, you'll see that Ed Orgeron will no longer be the coach for the LSU Tigers. So take that one to the bank. To recap, we are going Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Arkansas, and Florida. It may not look like there is much on the surface this week, but I'd expect that we'll have a lot more chaos just like we did a week ago. Whatever happens, you know that we'll be here on Monday to discuss it all. Enjoy the games this Saturday, and we'll catch y'all next week.